We need to do better at planning these things. <laughs> yeah, I wish. It reminds me of that lady who's just like, yeah, they should really move the deer crossing signs because that's like 45 miles an hour and it's just not safe for them to cross there. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, do you think that sign is to tell the deer to cross? <laughs> she's like i just think it's really unsafe yeah yeah i plan that out better she's like they should really be in the 25 mile an hour zones (laughs) like you dummy (laughs) i was so old i remember that she like called into a news station to make a complaint and she's like i'm really just trying to get the word out there and we're like what (laughs) and that they took it so well they're like uh so let me get this straight <laughs> you think, oh no <laughs> and they're like well you heard it here folks be really conscious about the deer signs oh it's just beautiful As if the deer like knew yeah the deer are like oh it's safe to cross here <laughs> she's like well it's 45 hours old that would honestly that would solve a bunch of problems if the deer knew <laughs> If only they were cognizant of where they were crossing and when. <laughs> right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Blair. And I'm Kirsten. And we are Mediocre, Mediocre Content. And I can't believe we've made it this far in the galaxy already. <laughs> In a galaxy far, far away, there were two podcasters <laughs> named Kirsten and Blair. And, and they, they worked counted very good. Pluto as a planet, even though technically it is not. I have so much to say, <laughs> as you are probably aware. <laughs> I I just saw Grief di- Disco Sadbox and on the outline and i realized that that was my good news but it also made me think of your soapbox from earlier last episode and i was like what is happening sad soapbox it's the same honestly i, know that I that, love a good soapbox i know i know that that sounded like garbage for the people listening because they don't really understand but <laughs> trust me it made sense in my brain okay no it's fine i was just like my response was gonna be like oh well didn't you isn't this your week for the good news? Did you write yeah, that? No, no, it totally is. And I <laughs> definitely saw that. Um, yeah. Totally anyway. acceptable. Yeah. I feel like my soapboxes were worth they could be soapier. They could have been much more soapy. I'm just so um I just wrote this so long ago that I, <laughs> I, I I'm sorry. Are we are we doing things ahead of schedule? Are we professionals we are. now? I know. We're doing things not are five minutes prepared? before we have to record. <laughs> That's Shocking. when you know real growth has happened. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, next week, I'll just be like, oh, yeah, I haven't done it yet. Let me just do it really quick while we chit chat. It's fine. <laughs> That's fine. why our recordings take like five hours, not because it takes that long to record, because it takes that long to prepare to record. <laughs> exactly. Totally. And that's why you listen to mediocre content and not like professional content. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You guys like your stuff to be ordinary. Mm, and average we are, if average not below. Are. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <sighs> Any hoodle. Should we disclaim? <laughs> we shall. All right. So you guys know the drill. Mm. We don't know what we're talking about as per usual. Mm-hmm. Um, If you feel like there's something wrong in <laughs> or that we did not 
other than not, I'm not talking about our mental well-being. I'm something wrong. Like, something wrong in like our facts that we have presented on this podcast. Please let us know. Or, hmm. you know, go on the Google machine mm-hmm. and uh, Google it yourself and see what you find because yeah. that's one way to do it too. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we're not the place to get advice. We want you to do your own research if you feel so inclined. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that. We're going to jump into the good news now <laughs> with your with sad my box, grief, my grief disco sad box. Very excited to know what this is about. <laughs> so basically, hmm. I remember now, um, basically moved by a desire to help people deal with grief and angst caused by COVID-19. And also climate, the climate crisis and Brexit, because this took place in Europe. There was a lot going on. Yeah, There was a lot happening. Artist. Annie Nicholson wanted to create a space where the public can shake out grief and unravel their climate angst. Nice. Nicholson is collaborating with the Lost Project, K67 Berlin, and Street Sound System to realize this ambitious public art project. Hmm. The kiosk is a refurbished K67 kiosk, a modernist design gem associated with ad hoc post-Soviet spaces, chip stalls, newspaper stands, and student cafes. It evokes a legacy of European unity and collaboration. So basically it's a, it's a box that Mm -hmm. can be used for a variety of different things, but this particular artist Mm -hmm. Um, turned it into a space. It's like, I'll show you. Or I have a picture of it. It's like a hot pink box. <gasps> it's cute. It's really cute. And it's probably, I would say like five by five, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you can go in there and um, DJ sets um, are, you know, on and mm-hmm. you can just like dance and rage and like do what you want to do it's more of like a solo to a couple of people activity yeah but you still like kind it. of it's like a you know like you all everybody wants like a soundproof box where they can go scream and be annoying absolutely it's like that you nice. know um there is also meditation and yoga workshops that are offered dance classes oh. and grief raves which i think is cool that is cool. Um, where clubbers can request tracks that remind them of absent or lost loved ones oh. it will be located in a, london's canary wharf before eventually touring europe and the uk wow nicholson got the idea in a debilitating aftermath of the deaths of her mother's sister and sister's partner in a helicopter crash. And her father died of cancer a few years later. What the heck? This poor lady. I know. During times of grief or anxiety, it can be difficult to find joy. Dance floors bring people together in powerful ways and allow people to process complex feelings in a physical way. True. That's very true. Yeah, exactly. And she says the dance floor has been a space of silent of silence and safety as I have navigated the many great losses and painful grief in my life throughout the past decade and having successfully installed public realm projects around grief and mental health over the past two years, we have noticed a distinct change in how people wish to connect and come together. Um, there is an overwhelming need to shake out your grief physically right now, says Nicholson. Wow. Yeah. Yep. 
Um, I understand that. It, you know, dance and expression has always been there, but I don't mm-hmm. think it's often an outlet that the average person necessarily goes to. I think it's usually like, oh, well, you just have to dream to dance or like you just have to have a passion for it. But you don't. You can just move your body. And sometimes moving your body is the best medicine, even if it's not dancing, but it can right. definitely help. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think this is a cool idea. It is. It's- somebody who's taken a lot of their grief and like mm-hmm. projected it in a very positive way. Yeah. Well, what a great idea. I like it. I think so. I'm so yeah. sorry she had to suffer so much though. That's awful. I know. Ugh. I agree. Hate it for her. But one of those things, you know, where like something bad turns mm-hmm. into something good, which exactly. is always a positive good yeah. news, you know? Yes, it is very good news. Good news for people that now have an extra outlet in the UK to express themselves. Exactly. Nice. So the next story I have for you guys is about beluga whales. Do you know how to speak whale? I don't. I don't. (laughs) But arguably, I think the beluga whales are like the cutest of all the whales. They are Um, cute. For those who don't know, they're like the large white ones. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They're so cute. They like to bash their face on the glass. They do. (laughs) In all the videos. Perhaps you've watched nest cam footage from organizations like Fish and the Fish and Wildlife Service that monitors birds' nests. And if you're a fan of that, then you certainly like um you wait, hold on, sorry. If you're a fan of that, then you'll surely <laughs> leap like a humpback at the chance to watch the Polar Bear International's Beluga Cams. Did you go back just to use that pun? Like, did you yeah, try to use the pun? It was written in the article and I thought it was nice. <laughs> That's adorable. (laughs) During the ice-free months of summertime, about two-thirds of the world's beluga whales, about 57,000 animals, migrate to the waters around Churchill Valley and Hudson Bay in Canada. Hmm. From the deck of their beluga boat... Beluga boat. (laughs) PBI scientists maintain underwater microphones that allow you to listen to the content the constant whistling, chattering, and singing of these incredible creatures. The cameras were set up over the last over the last weekend, um, which is July 15th. Oh wow. Um, yeah. Based on this article, um, which PBI has designated as Arctic Sea Ice Day hmm. to raise awareness about polar bears and sea ice loss. Nice. Um So the Arctic Sea regulates our planet's climate and is essential for polar bears and humans alike, says Krista Wright, executive director of Polar Bears International. Adding on Arctic Sea Ice Day, we bring the Arctic to people around the world through outreach like the beloved beluga whale live cam. As we expand our operations across the Arctic, we believe that it's more important than ever to work together to slow global warming and preserve Arctic sea ice. All, along with all with the creatures that depend on it right the yeah. beluga cams are also the focus of a big citizen science project pbi asked viewers to collect individual screenshots from the live stream footage and register them to gather <clears throat> data on the individual animals below the waves in total more than twenty two thousand photographs have been taken in the, by the beluga cam viewers that's insane Yes. And so basically it's just a YouTube live cam 
And if you log on, you hear them like whistling and like making all these weird noises. And it's so cute. They're I'm so adorable. Clicking on it, do it, do it right this moment. I bet if you share your sound, the other people can hear it. Like if we, if we, maybe it'll record on the podcast too, maybe. Oh, it's not working for me right now. I don't know yeah. if it's under the water at the moment. Let me see. We'll go back to it. It's like, uh, it might be in movement is what it looks like. It looks like it's being moved, <laughs> ah. which is fine. They might be going to like look for, or maybe not. I don't know. It's hard to tell. I expected I'm, I'm, it to I'm be see. underwater. See. It is. When I looked at it, when I read the article, it was underwater. You could see oh. all the little whales swimming by. That's cute. It really might just be me being moved at the moment then. Oh, okay. Interesting. I definitely want to hear them though. Oh yeah, it's on yeah. It's above water. Yeah, right now. yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Dag nabbit. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh, it was so cute. It's chill. <laughs> There'll be opportunity. Well, we'll put the link in the description so that you know yeah. they can go in there and view it too. Yeah, totes adorbs. That you is adorable. Yeah. I like watching um, like the bald eagle cams when they have the babies and like the nests and stuff. That's also super yeah. cute. The Monterey Bay Aquarium has a bunch of different live cams in their tanks. Um, and there's like one with like the octopus and then they have a whole tank full of jellyfish and it's all very soothing looking. It's really cool. And they play like music and stuff. It's, <sighs> it's, it's legit. You guys should check it out. That would be perfect if you have trouble sleeping. And you just have that. I know. With the sound. Oh, I can't imagine. Or if you're studying or something like that. Yes. That'd be so good. So good tips and tricks, guys. <laughs> Look for these. Can live 10 recommend. Yeah. Yes. That's awesome. How adorable. Two very adorable news stories, honestly. I think so. Thank you so much. I appreciate you're, it. You're welcome. Um, so. <clears throat> So speaking of adorable, we are now at uh, essentially without Earth and the sun. We are now essentially at the end of our little solar system in terms of like planets, which is exciting and strange and beautiful. Wow. Wow. We've come so far, literally like light years far, even. Uh. So we are talking about Pluto today, and obviously as millennials, we grew up with Pluto being a planet. Um, and technically speaking, according to even NASA's, because that's where I get all this information, of course, but even according yeah. to the way that like NASA classifies it, it is called a dwarf planet. So it's not like right. they're even taking planet out of the name. So that just befuddles me. But I have some explanations as to why they've decided to do this. Wow. Okay, good. Imagine. <laughs> Reasons. <laughs> but it's still a planet to me. So Pluto is very complex and it's got uh, mountains, valleys, plains, craters, maybe even glaciers. And so um, this is not similar to Uranus or Neptune or even Jupiter in terms of like it doesn't have a clear surface. Pluto does have a very clear surface, and in fact, we've been able to see it, albeit not a lot, <laughs> and we'll get into exploration later, of course, um, but it was discovered in 1930 and was long since then considered the ninth planet, 
After discovery of similar intriguing worlds, however, in what's called the Cooper Belt, Icy Pluto was reclassified as a dwarf planet. I couldn't care less what they call it. I know what I'm going to call it. So <laughs> we'll just move on from that. <laughs> um, in terms of naming, Pluto was actually named by an 11-year-old girl in 1930, which is super adorable. Uh, her name was Venetia Burney, and she was from Oxford, England. And she suggested this to her grandfather, that the new discovery uh, should be named for the Roman god of the underworld. Her grandfather then forwarded this name to someone named uh, or so, to the Lowell Observatory, who then mm-hmm. decided to select it as the name. Nice. Yeah, it's very adorable and kept with the theme, ironically. This is from an 11-year-old Definitely. girl who would like to re- like I really I really thought but I don't I thought you were gonna say something like Disney related for some reason but I realized that 1930 like yeah that was too early for that yeah not really yeah no no no. No. yeah um there was also someone from the chair of the department of classics in Whitman College in Walla Walla Washington her name (laughs) is isn't that fun to say um it's fun Dr. Elizabeth Vandiver did kind of clarify the name uh, selection. So Pluto is the name of the Roman god uh, of the underworld, equivalent to the Greek Hades. However, mm-hmm. the Greek name Ploton, from which the Romans derived their name Pluto, was also occasionally used as another form of Hades, Pluto definitely being the Roman spelling. So just kind of wanted to, you know, just to keep with the theme, that's where it comes from. We love a theme. We love it. Distance from the sun, it's quite immense. We're talking over 3 billion miles or over 5 billion kilometers. So it's quite far. Uh, it's one-way light time is about five and a half hours or 290 minutes. And its length for one year is about 90,530 Earth days, which equates to around 248 Earth years. Extensive. Uh, Very extensive. (laughs) Yeah. The length of one day, however, is what I find to be the most crazy, which is 153 hours for one day. So just, you know, put that in your pocket. For those of us who are procrastinators, (laughs) I feel like that's very beneficial. It is very beneficial. You have a long time to get your day done. (laughs) That's right. Um, And as I stated, it is technically classified as a dwarf planet now. Um, It doesn't have rings, but Pluto does actually have five moons, the largest and most informed that we are of which is Chiron. And Chiron is about half the size of Pluto itself, making it the largest satellite relative to the planet and orbits in our solar system. And Pluto and Chiron are often referred to as a double planet, and that's because it orbits Pluto at a distance of just 12,000 miles, 19,000 kilometers. Um, For comparison, our moon is like 20 times farther away from Earth. Just a little reference. But Chiron's orbit around Pluto also takes 153 hours. So it's the same time for Pluto to even make one rotation. And that means that Chiron neither rises nor sets, but instead hovers on the same spot on Pluto's surface. And uh, it's called tidal locking, which is unique and cool and fun. Yeah. Yeah. Super fun. Uh, But of course, Pluto does have four other moons. They're much smaller, less than 100 miles or 160 kilometers wide. And they're irregular shaped and not nearly as spherical as Chiron is. Unlike many other moons in the solar system, these moons are not tidally locked to Pluto and instead all spin differently and do not keep the same face towards Pluto. So 
they on their oh. own wavelength, man. Yeah. Um, they are also named for mythological figures, of course, and they are also associated specifically with the underworld. So Chiron is named for the river of Styx boatmen who ferry souls to the underworld. Mm -hmm. underworld. So also honoring Sharon, the wife of Discovery, James Christie, I guess they discovered it and therefore named it in theme, which we appreciate. Neat. Nyx is named for the mother of Chiron, who is also the goddess of darkness and night. Hydra is named for the nine-headed serpent that we know of from, like, Hercules. <laughs> we do. And uh, they guard the underworld. Uh, Kerberos? Wait. What? Ker Kerberos, <laughs> I think it is. Yes. <laughs> Kerberos is the three-headed dog, like Fluffy <laughs> from I, Harry Potter. I think some people missay it as Cerberus, which apparently is something else but also related yeah. it's, it's weird it's um i think it also has to do with like the latin pronunciation yeah. because i distinctly remember my latin professor being like it's kerberos and i'm oh like okay, <laughs> okay. Also, i'm not sure <laughs> but also concerns <laughs> yeah and then sticks of course like we just indicated that there's a boatman for uh sticks is then named for the actual mythological river that separates the world of the living and the realm of the dead so fun times again love a good theme can't complain i think i i think roman mythology should be our next one honestly <laughs> we need to do one on roman greek egyptian like we just have a ton to go through <laughs> we do we do um so what it looked like it has a radius of 715 miles or just over 1100 kilometers its orbit around the sun is quite unusual and we talked briefly about this uh in terms of its orbit when we discussed neptune and that's because they do cross over into each other's orbit um, Neptune going further away from the sun at times than Pluto even is, despite the fact that Pluto is considered the last planet in the system. So Pluto's 248-year-long oval-shaped orbit can take it as far as 49 astronomical units, or AU, from the sun, and as close to as 30 AU. And this means that uh, AU is the distance between Earth and the Sun, which is about 93 million miles or 150 million kilometers. But on average, Pluto is 3.7 billion miles or 5.9 billion kilometers away from the Sun or 39 AU. So a lot of metrics. It's just weird. Just take that away. <laughs> yes. So from 1979 to 1999, Pluto was near perihelion when it is closest to the sun and during that time pluto was actually closer than neptune which is what we've discussed right. previously yeah 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 it's the orbits yeah. are weird orbits right. are weird and the axis is tilted 57 degrees with respect to the plane of its orbit around the sun so it spins almost on its side and we discussed this when we talked about uranus when it's completely on its side almost 90 degrees mm -hmm. and also exhibits a retrograde spin also similar to Uranus and then Venus that spins in retrograde. Um, structure, Pluto is about two-thirds the diameter of Earth's moon, so she's tiny, and probably has a rocky core, and we say probably because we don't know, obviously, oh, and, right. su <laughs> and surrounded by a mantle of water ice. So that's good because there's water or a Best form of guess. it. Yeah. <laughs> Best guess. Best guess. 
Um, an interesting ices like methane and nitrogen frost will coat the surface. Due to its lower density, then, Pluto's mass is about one-sixth of the of Earth's moon, which is also kind of crazy. That is. Um, it does actually have a surface. Woohoo. Wow. <laughs> we never thought we'd come here. <laughs> we, I mean, that far out, clearly. It is pretty far. Wow. Um, but its surface is characterized by mountains, valleys, plains, craters, the essential planet kind of terrestrial feel that we're used to when it comes to Earth and the other planets we discovered prior to Jupiter. Uh, the temperature on Pluto can be as cold as negative 375 to negative 400 degrees, and that's like negative 226 to 240 degrees Celsius. Its tallest mountains are 65 to 9,800 feet, or um, I don't know why they did two to three kilometers, because that's obviously incorrect. So I don't know what it is in kilometers. Forgive me. I have no idea what they're doing there. Forgive me. I don't know. doesn't matter. They're right, tall. You're forgiven. Thank you. No, but it's feet to kilometers, though. Is that what it is? I, yeah. Don't, I don't know. Kilometers. I I just, I don't know. I don't know. Doesn't matter. (laughs) The tallest is like 90. what happens when you don't have the metric system in your country. It's true. It's true. It's all wonky. Also, Um, the temperatures make me think of the weather guy um, on on Family Guy, Ollie, where he's like, <laughs> it's raining it's it's really cold. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Back to you, Ollie. <laughs> the mountains are big blocks of water ice. Sometimes frozen gases like methane are also coating them. And uh, the long troughs and valleys can be as long as 370 miles or 600 kilometers. Add to the interesting features of the faraway dwarf planet because of the methane coating however the snow Mm -hmm. that you see in the photos that you see of pluto will actually appear red so fun yes so and that's because of the gases you have questions but methane is blue apparently not on this planet the mixture of frozen uh i and to be fair frozen versus liquid versus gas yeah couldn't I tell you? Um, it could be the mixture of the methane plus whatever else is there that's coating it in this red color. Yeah. Um, I couldn't say. I, 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 yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're right. We're not used to methane being solid. We're, we're not used to methane being anything but a gas. <laughs> right. It's gross in here. <laughs> Every time. Every time. Uh, so, yeah, it's red. Take a look. It's, it's interesting. Um, it snows, but the snow is red. Like, <laughs> do you want to just like be caught on that all. for a little bit? <laughs> yeah, I do because, like, yeah, like it's like snowing blood or something. Like, what? This is now a horror podcast. <laughs> I, yeah, it makes me very uncomfortable. I mean, if if anybody ever wondered why it appears red, now you know it's just uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it fun? Are you having fun? Mm. <laughs> no. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll just shoot. We'll, it's okay. We'll just Keep shoot going. you along. It's we'll fine. Just, it's everything fine. is fine. <laughs> Let's talk about craters instead. Will that make you feel better? Oh, sure. <laughs> okay. So uh, Pluto does have craters, as most of the planets do, that have a surface 
uh, that we know of. Uh, they can be as large as 162 miles or 260 kilometers in diameter, and they dot the landscape and obviously show signs of erosion, filling, tectonic forces, potentially uh, even on Pluto. So similar to Earth, there are tectonic plates that are creating mountains uh, and therefore also inadvertently creating valleys or widening craters or shrinking craters, depending on where they are on the fault lines, because that's what happens with tectonic plates for science people. Right. Uh, the most prominent planes observed on Pluto appear to be made of frozen nitrogen gas and do not show craters. And these planes do show structures suggesting convection. So blobs of material circulating up and down. Convection is is a science word. So we like convection. Convection Woo. oven. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and the more you know. <laughs> the more you know. It does also have an atmosphere. It's very thin, however, and it expands when it comes closer to the sun and then collapses as it moves further away, similar to what happens with a comet. And that's that that checks out. So you're you're thinning atmosphere the further you're away from it. Uh, yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah. The main constituent in the atmosphere is molecular nitrogen. And though molecules of methane and carbon monoxide are detected, they're not nearly as prevalent. And when Pluto is close to the sun, its surface ice surface ice sublimates, which just means changes directly from solid to gas because you're taking something that is solid, introducing it to aggressive amounts of heat randomly, and then it essentially immediately changes to a different form. <laughs> right. And rise to temporarily form a thin atmosphere, which is why as it gets closer, the atmosphere thickens. Again, for obvious reasons. Yeah. Uh Pluto's low gravity, about 6% of Earth's, causes the atmosphere to be much more extended in altitude than our planet's, and Pluto becomes much colder during uh, the part of each year when it is traveling further away from the sun. Uh, during the time, the bulk of the planet's atmosphere may freeze and fall as snow to the surface again because you're taking one system that's very used to being close to the sun and having the heat retention to completely eliminating that <laughs> very quickly. Right. Right. Um, and then also, uh, as some of the planets have had up to this point, um, the magnetosphere is always a question. We don't 100% know whether it does have one, but even if it does, it's quite small. Um, and the slow rotation of the planet indicates it may just have none at all. So, yeah. And we're going to take a tiny uh, Pluto-like break. Okay. And let you get acquainted with your cat, <laughs> apparently. The cat has been harassing me for the past 10 minutes. He's like, excuse me, what could you be doing more than giving me attention? You know? Yeah. He's got Rude. his little paw on my shoulder a minute ago. Excuse you. Mm -hmm. Um. Uh, so you go hang with your cat. Thanks. I will. And, and, and... Uh, we'll be back. Okay, bye. Every week, you listen to the MCP host droll on and on about, quote, interesting topics. And yes, I did just use air quotes for that. We are positive your listeners would come up with better topics than them. And so we are enlisting you to send them over so we can talk more about exciting things in the future episodes. We highly encourage you to do yourself and other listeners a favor and start sending good topic ideas over to MediocreContentPodcast at gmail.com. We even give you permission to slide into their DMs over on Instagram at Mediocre Content Podcast and Twitter at Mediocre Squawks. 
If you don't decide to send topics over, prepare yourself for continued intense mediocrity. Though honestly, it will probably be mediocre either way. Thanks for trying, and good luck in the second half of this interesting podcast, air quotes still included. Welcome back. Blair's cat has left the building, and uh, we're ready to crack on, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, I'll keep you guys updated if he comes back. He just wants to be loved. (laughs) He's so aggressive in that way. He is. Steal your attention right away. Exactly. Um, Okay, so uh, this sounds cheesy, but we're going to talk about Pluto time. And I don't mean like, oh, this is Pluto time. I mean, no, there's something called Pluto time and it exists. (laughs) So uh, Pluto orbits on the fringes of our solar system, billions of miles away. We know this. We've just discussed this. Obviously... Because of that, the sunlight is much weaker there than it is on Earth, and yet it's completely dark. And in fact, for just a moment near dawn and dusk each day, the illumination on Earth matches that of high noon on Pluto. That's how dark it is. We call this Pluto time. And if you go outside on this time on a clear day, the world around you will be as bright as the brightest part of the day on Pluto. So if you ever want to experience that and kind of get an idea of what it would be like at the highest point of, quote, daylight on Pluto, that's what you can do. And it's kind of cute and lots of fun for people who just want to have a good time, (laughs) I guess, or wake up early. I don't know. I hate waking up early. It's actually kind of nice. It's always like golden hour. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. For like a moment. For just a moment. Yeah, very brief. Just a moment. Yeah. (laughs) Let Pluto run outside and get your vitamin D really quick and then like run back inside. (laughs) Yeah. You're like a hundred. And then like, yeah. You're like, you're like Eskimo suit. I guess it would be, uh, like 60 ish hours into your 153 day too so you're just like uh Mm. 54 55 okay let's go (laughs) (laughs) oh man um okay and then also the question we always ask is the whole potential for life or whatever uh the surface is too cold uh it seems very unlikely however as we did discuss technically (laughs) it does have a form of water on it (laughs) So, you know, that's great. great. (laughs) And if you think about it, uh, as the planet has its funky orbit, you might be closer to the sun at some point, you know, so it might warm up a little and maybe, you know, get you a little water. Oh, wait, no, because it turns immediately to gas from a solid. So never mind. (laughs) Just kidding. It's bad. Steamy. Yeah, steamy. Be like a sauna, I guess. I don't know. Um, No, no. 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 Um, they do think that Pluto's interior may be warmer. Um, and some even think that there could be an ocean deep inside because if it's fully solid ice for the majority of its life and has been that far away in general for an extended amount of billions of years, then mm-hmm. it might just be a frozen ocean. Who knows? Could be. Um. The formation is interesting, though, and this is where the discussion regarding its new classification comes through. We touched on it briefly, but this goes into a little bit more detail. So the Pluto planet, the Pluto dwarf planet, 
has been discovered to be a member of a group of objects that orbit in a disc-like zone beyond the orbit of Neptune called the Cooper Belt. I think that's how you, or Cooper, I don't know. Cooper Belt is what I'm going to go with. <laughs> Plot twist. My cat just landed on my desk on top of all of my wedding photos. It just like, was like I'm, I'm doing it. I'm here. <laughs> I'm in your face. <laughs> Hi, Jinx. <laughs> Um, and this distant realm is populated with thousands of miniature ice, icy worlds, which formed early in history of our solar system about that 4.5 billion years ago. And so these icy, rocky bodies are called the Cooper Belt objects uh, or trans-Neptunian objects and or Plutoids. And so basically what happened is they realized that Pluto was so similar to the other objects that were in this area that they decided instead of like an actual planet, it's just part of these other things that are also very similar. We're going to downgrade it to dwarf planet because there's it. so many okay. other. So basically what they're saying is Pluto is one of many that could also technically be called planets of our solar system. And instead they're so similar that they're just part of a belt and that's it. Yeah, they didn't want to have to name like all of the other planets. Right. Laziness. Our, what, yeah, that would have been a kidding. lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's I mean, what, I, what can I say? <laughs> it has to be pretty standout to be a planet. I it guess, does. Of our, does. like a main character planet. <laughs> it's got main character energy. Yeah. Uh, apparently it had main character energy until it was discovered there were others. So <laughs> they're like, no, nope. Just an NPC. <laughs> mm. Poor Pluto. Um, Poor Pluto. So let's talk about the Cooper Belt just a little bit. Um, both Pluto and Arakoth, which is the most distant and most primitive object ever explored by spacecraft, discovered in 2014 by NASA's New Horizons science team using the Hubble telescope. Uh, they're both in the Cooper Belt, and a donut-shaped region of icy bodies that orbit Neptune is just what that is. I've already explained that. There may be millions of these icy objects, though, hence the naming in the reclassification. Um, mm -hmm. And similar to the asteroid belt, this belt is a region of leftovers from solar systems earlier in history, like the asteroid belt, which we did talk about when we were closer to it Uh in many many episodes ago yes it has also been shaped by a giant planet although it's more of a thick disc kind of like donut shaped than a thin belt and the cooper belt shouldn't be confused with what which is funnily named the oort cloud which i love to say oort. Oort. uh apparently that is much more distance uh distant region of icy comet-like bodies that surround the solar system, including the Cooper Belt, but both the Oort Cloud and Cooper Belt are thought to be sources of comets that we see and that come into our atmosphere every now and then. So they have a long distance to travel, but we do see them from time to time. Nice. Uh, the Cooper Belt is truly a frontier in space. It's just a place we're starting to explore and understand, which is, again, another portion of the reclassification that happened. Exploration, uh, it ain't that much. Um, 
On July 14, 2015, NASA's New Horizons spacecraft made its historic flight through the Pluto system, providing the first close-up images of Pluto and its moons and collecting other data that transformed our understanding of these mysterious worlds on the solar system's outer frontier. In the years since that groundbreaking flyby, nearly every conjecture about Pluto possibly being an inert ball of ice has been thrown out the window or flipped on its head because we're learning, you know, about it and where it, yeah. where it lives, you know. Yeah. Um, and a scientist, uh, a principal investigator, Alan Stern from New Horizons, stated, It's clear to me that the solar system saved the best for last. We could not have explored a more fascinating or scientifically important planet at the edge of our solar system. The New Horizons team worked for 15 years to plan and execute this flyby, and Pluto paid us back in spades, end quote. So, for Aww. for a reclassified planet, they sure do like riz it up. That's all I can say. Yeah, so, they like it. Yeah, and there might be other planets that are similar to it. I'm excited to learn about other dwarf planets and about the expanse of how like how many planets we could have had had not made this discovery. You know what I mean? True. Like yeah, Pluto may have been the final planet in our system, but also there could have been like four or five others just like it that could have been classified the same way at some point. Yeah. It's totally true. Um and with that to a point we're kind of done. Um just an update for those who do enjoy the solar series and were um wondering why we still haven't talked about earth. Here's your here's your info. <laughs> Um, the plan right now is to do Earth next and then also kind of break into the sun and see what's going on in there and any discoveries and interesting facts we may have about it. So um, while the solar system in- is technically done, we still haven't done our own planet. And then our big, beautiful sun star, <laughs> that, you know, yes. deserves an episode. <laughs> um, Agreed. But we're very close. We're very close to ending this Indeed. part of it which is exciting. I think at some point I'd want to talk about galaxies or maybe more obscure things at some point, but black uh, holes, black holes <laughs> definitely needs to be a topic, but that'll end it for now. Once we finish, we can song. all have an existential crisis together. I have one daily. I don't even <laughs> feel like if I don't think you're right. If you don't <laughs> at this point in our history. Fair. 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 So, um, yeah, but, uh, you guys can always suggest things, like if there's other things you want to talk yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can always email us at mediocrecontentpodcast at gmail.com. You can send us tweets at mediocre squawks or follow us on Instagram at mediocre content podcast. You can also follow us on TikTok. We do Twitch streams bi weekly. Not bi weekly. Mm-hmm. That's not how you no, say that. No, that's right. That's Every... bi weekly. I thought bi weekly was twice a week. Is it? I don't know. We do it every other week on Thursdays uh, at 3 p.m. Pacific time, 6 p.m. Eastern time, and then 11 mm-hmm. BST. Yeah. 11 BST. Yeah. 11 p.m. BST because we're fancy. Um, let's see. I think that's it. I yeah. Think so five stars. Um, don't forget to rate us five stars all the time, everywhere, wherever you go. Five stars. We'll be heartbroken otherwise. <laughs> um, yeah, five stars for Pluto, and we'll see you next week. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>